Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Begin reading with verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the, te- of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock." In the time of adversity and trouble, we said we are to know that the Lord is our refuge, our fortress, our God. In Him we put our total trust and confidence. He'll hide us in His pavilion. He'll deliver us. He said, I'll be with you in trouble and deliver you and honor you. With long life will I satisfy you and I'll show you my salvation. Amen. God, our Father, is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He said He'd do that. He'd be the glory and the lifter of your head in trouble. But the believer is to do and know certain things. Number one, the Lord is His light. Jehovah is my light. The psalmist said here in verse 1, the Lord is my light. He also said, he's my salvation. So number one, you were to know he's your light. Number two, he's your salvation. Now, light stands for wisdom, guidance, direction, understanding. Salvation, we said, was twofold. Deliverance that comes by his word system. And number two, the deliverance that comes by angels. Number three, the Lord or Jehovah is my strength. I can do all things, Paul said, through Christ who infuses his inner strength into me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew or exchange their strength for God's strength. Amen? We said strength comes by the Word. He's able to build us up by his Word, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He upholds all things by the Word of his power. And so the Word of God is his power. Amen? And he upholds us by the word of his power. So we're strong in the Lord as we're strong in his word. Also, we said this morning that strength, the second part of strength or the second source of your strength is joy or praise. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Now we're to step number four that you should know and you should do. Number four is found in verse three. Though an host should encamp against me, My heart shall not fear. My heart shall not fear. Underline it. Number four. My heart shall not fear. Notice the psalmist said, My heart. My heart shall not fear. Not his head. Not his body. But his spirit. But I want you to back up a little bit. And I want to show you something else here about fear. And we're going to get into this step right now. He said, Jehovah is my light. And my salvation, of whom shall I be what? Notice how many times he talks about it. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I? I mean, friends, when you know that Jehovah is your strength, who who are you going to fear? We talked about that. You could walk to the fire furnace. And if you know Jehovah is your strength, Even the power of the fire has no power over you. Jehovah is your strength. Walk right onto the midst of it. Unharmed by the fire. And then he said, Though a host, an army, would compass me round about to kill me and to destroy me, I will not fear. My heart will not fear. He's probably, his flesh is probably shaken. But he says, My heart will not fear. See, his inward man, his inward being will not fear. In this will I be confident, he said, that my heart will not fear. Because Jehovah is my light, my salvation, and my strength. When armies come to destroy me, I will not fear. And I said in the 46th Psalm, we'll tie this in a little bit later. He went as far as to say, if the earth be removed from me, therefore will I not fear. Because God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And if the earth was removed from underneath me, I will not fear. Have you ever been in that kind of trouble before? That the earth was removed from you? Seemed like it. But look what he said. 
even though literally he was speaking and saying that if the earth was removed from beneath me, I will not fear. Because he knew that his everlasting arms were underneath him to uphold him. Now, I want to show you a scripture in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. If you'll turn there with me, please. As you're turning, you need to know these things. Fear is believing the wrong thing. Fear is believing the wrong thing. Fear is the forerunner of calamity. Fear is believing the wrong thing. And fear is the forerunner of calamity. You could be well assured that if fears come your way, calamity is right behind it. But fear is believing or having faith in the wrong thing. Believing the wrong thing. Faith is believing the right thing. Faith is the forerunner of blessing. See, we try to get things backwards. We want to have the blessing before we get into faith. But the Lord said, you get into faith, then you'll have the blessing. So faith is the forerunner of blessing, as fear is the forerunner of calamity. In the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, we'll start with verse 1 here, and I'll just give you a few scriptures. But again, let me say this before we get into it. We were not born with fear. Did you ever see a child be fearful as to where he's going to get his next bite of food? Did you ever see a little baby be afraid to touch a hot stove? I'm talking about before he does it the first time. Or stick his finger into the fire. Or jump off a ledge when his daddy says, jump and I'll catch you. No. The reason why Jesus said have the faith of a child is because children are not born with fear. Children are not born with fear. Children are taught how to fear. Also, God did not give us the spirit of fear. We're not born with fear. And God did not give us the spirit of fear. Then how did we get highly developed in our fears? Well, because some of you parents, as most of all of us as parents, we taught our kids how to fear. Don't you go in that room. The boogeyman's up there. Is that right? You see, you try to educate your children or discipline your children through fear. Isn't that right? Don't you go out there and do that. You know what will happen to you? The police will get you. Oh. They didn't know to be afraid until you told them to be afraid. See? And so, we, not only through the spirit of fear, but also through improper teaching of our children, we've taught them how to fear and how to be afraid and use it as a disciplinary action. And really, that's wrong. You know, you could teach your children by faith. Imagine you get that little spirit that has no fear in it and just teach it faith. Just think about that. You see that stove there? You're not to touch it. But, should you ever come in contact with it, Blessed be God, the Bible tells us that if we walk through the fire, it won't bother you. Kid look at you like, you know, your parents or in-laws might look at you like that. But I'll tell you what, you start instilling them the Word of God. I'll tell you, let me say this, they may touch it the first time anyhow. Whether you've warned them or didn't warn them, why, why put the, instill the fear into them? If they were to touch it, just pray in Jesus' name and the hurt will go away. Let's instill faith to them instead of fear. Let's get their hearts full of faith instead of fear and develop them in faith instead of fear. They're going to learn these things as they grow up. But why instill fear into them? And why not instill faith into them? See? So you didn't have fear when you were born and God did not give you the spirit of fear. So it stands the reason that Satan is teaching us to fear through his words. And we'll explain it a little bit further to show you how there's nothing to fear in God, in Christ. So we see here in John's Gospel and the 14th chapter, we'll begin reading here with verse 1. Jesus is making a statement that I think you need to underline and emphasize. Let not your heart be what? You know what? If trouble comes around, you don't have to let your heart be troubled. 
If trouble comes around, you don't have to let your heart be troubled. Just because trouble's there doesn't mean your heart has to be troubled. He said, though a host encamp round about me, and that's trouble, I will not let my heart trouble. My heart will not fear. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. Now, why did he make such a statement like this in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I'll answer the question. Because you see, in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, he was getting prepared to leave. Now, when I went off to school, uh, some of my family came off, came to the house to see the family and my brother and his family off to Oklahoma. They didn't know whether we'd return within a year, two years or what. But it's the first time that we ever departed from our family in that far away. So they came and you know the usual thing, their your parents a little upset and that sort of thing and crying and all that. But uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't talking about me going to Oklahoma. Jesus was going back to the Father. Now the fellow that they walked with all these years that raised the dead, that healed the sick, that pr pr provided their every need, whenever it, the need came that stilled and calmed the storm in the sea, was now leaving. Now, if you walk with somebody like that for three years, would you want to see him go? Especially now, here you are, and your own faith, the Jewish religion, looking down on you because you're walking with this guy and doing things with this guy that's tearing apart their faith, their religion, the Jewish doctrine, Judaism. But now he says, I'm going. I'm going to the Father from whence I came. I'm returning unto him. The first thing he says, let not your heart be troubled. And as you go on to see, he, he closed it by saying, neither let it be afraid. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know whether thou goest. Well, Jesus said the way you know, but he says, I don't know where you're going. And how can I know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man to come to the Father but by me. What he is actually saying and starting right here in his discourse here. I'm about to leave you. But don't let your heart be troubled just because I'm going. And he's giving them some words to comfort them. To let them know I'm going to prepare a, a, an abiding place for you. For in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. There are many mansions there. And I'm going to prepare a place just for you. And he tells them don't let their heart be troubled. Then he goes on and he explains some things I think you need to understand in this light. Because he goes down and says, well, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, fellas. And the works that I do, I didn't do them. The Father in me, he doeth the works. And besides, after I go, he that believeth on me, the works that I did, he'll do also. And greater works are you going to do than I did because I'm going to the Father so you can do greater works. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that what I do, that the Father be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. You talk about comfort. You talk about not letting your heart be troubled. Wow. You mean it, Lord? Yeah. Anything. I won't leave you comfortless. The Holy Ghost will come. I'll send the comfort to you. I'll pray the Father. He'll send you another, another comforter. That He may abide with you forever. The world can't receive Him because they didn't see Him. Not. But you see Him. You know Him. He's with you and He shall be in you. No, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come again unto you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You talk about comfort. See, their heart would have been fearful and troubled had they realized that their master was gone. But he says, I'm, not, I'm going, yes, but I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. I'm coming again to you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he'll teach you and guide you in all truth. But going on to verse 27. He goes on and says, after he says the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, is after he has come, he'll, he'll teach you all things and bring things, all things to remembrance, whichever I said unto you. And in verse 27 he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be what? He said, see, I will not let my heart fear. I will not let my heart fear. So the psalmist said, I will not let my heart fear. Now, in this world, if you want to, friends, you can be quite fearful when you don't know the words of the Master. But if you'll understand what Jesus is saying, there is no reason to let your heart fear. None whatsoever. 
Because in this discourse, what he was saying from 16 right on through 7, from 14 right on through 17, he was giving them total assurance, words of assurance, that as I have, have left and gone back to the Father, so shall I be in you, living in you. As a matter of fact, in that same 14th chapter, he says, He that hath my commandments, verse 21, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he'll be loved to my Father, and I will come to him. And manifest, or I will love him and, man, and manifest myself to him. And in verse 23, if any man love me, he'll keep my words. And the Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So what he was reassuring them was, was that I'm not really leaving you, in a sense, forsaking you. I'm just going to where I belong, but I'll come to you in spirit. And I'll still be with you just as I am now. But it's all going to be wrapped up in my name. So there's no need for you guys to fear because now whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Just like I've been doing it while I was walking with you, I will do it now as you whisper it through your lips. In my name. What assurance. I can hear him whisper, fear thou not. See, don't fear. For I'm in you. Be not dismayed. For I am, I am. I am is my God. I am is your God. I am with you. Right? I am in you. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee, and I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So this is what he's actually saying to them. That was Old Covenant, but this is New Covenant. This is what he's saying to them. They have no need to fear. Now, let's go. I want to show you a classic example of how people let fear destroy their possessions even though the possessions were already turned over to them. Let's go back to the book of Exodus. Israel was given a land of inheritance, a land of promise with many possessions in them. And once you read what those possessions are, you're going to fully understand what your possessions are. And all they had to do was to walk in and take their possession, but fear kept them out. And the reason why fear kept them out is because they didn't know that Jehovah was their light or their salvation or their strength. Exodus, let's go back to the third chapter of the book of Exodus. Now, let's, if you're taking notes, let's write down that faith is based on fact and sense knowledge. Faith, uh, I'm sorry, fear. Fear is based on fact and sense knowledge. Fear is. Fear, see, fear has to come from a source. There has to be a source of fear. It's based on sense knowledge, fact, and circumstances that surround us. Fear always comes from without. Okay? Fear always comes from without. It comes from without. And it tries to work its way in. It does not start from within, but it comes from without. Now, faith is based on God's Word. Regardless of circumstances. But fear is based on fact, circumstances, circumstantial evidence. Fear is based on the circumstances that surround you from the outward appearance of things. So there's a source of fear. But let's look and go through this here classic example. I like to say this is a classic example of everything I've been teaching in this entire, if you want to call it a seminar or a series of messages, on what to do in the time of trouble. Let's look at the third chapter, verse 17. You're going to find out that everything is involved in what we've been teaching so far. Light. Salvation through the Word and through angels and also strength. And we're going to tie both even areas of strength in there. Strength through the Word and strength through rejoicing or through joy. Verse 17. You remember that after... Well, first of all, here Moses is going to be led to go and deliver the children of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. In verse 17 he says, And I have said... I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites. Now, here's the land. Here's the promised land. 
and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites into a land flowing with milk and honey. That's what he said he'd do. That is direction. That's, that's God's light for them. He's not going to tell you, I'm, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey and give you that kind of direction and then not take you there. See, that God doesn't do that. That'd be, he'd be lying. Our father would be lying, but he doesn't do that. Let's go to another scripture. In the 23rd chapter, it gets more clear. He tells you exactly what he's going to do for you in that land. Now, remember, between the 3rd chapter and the 23rd chapter, they were actually delivered from the Egyptian bondage, which is your first type of salvation, being delivered from Satan's bondage. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about being delivered from circumstances and troubles of life that come at you after you've been born again. Now, the believer needs to know that he is redeemed from all those circumstances and from those troubles. But fear will stop you from entering into all your possessions as it did for them. Now, in the 23rd chapter, notice, again, he's going to take them to the same land. Let's talk about the same land. Verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not. For he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. You remember we said that every transgression and disobedience receive the just recompense of reward. But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies and an adversary unto your adversaries. I'd like God to be the enemy of my enemies and the adversary of my adversaries. Wouldn't you like your Heavenly Father to be doing your fighting for you? Okay. Look at verse 23. For my angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now look at, and by the angel I will cut them off. But look at verse 24, 25, 26. And we'll read right through here. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images, and you shall serve the Lord your God. Here are the promises. He shall bless your bread and your water. Look at this. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. In thy land. Not out of the land, but in thy land. The number of your days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Okay? Again, he tells them what he's going to do. Here's the direction. He's given them exactly what he's going to do for them when they get to the promised land, when they get to the land of Canaan land. Now, let's look at the 33rd chapter. Verse 2. Here's his direction. Here's their direction. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, and do a land flowing with milk and honey. That's all you really need to know. I'll send an angel before you. I'll drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. He's going to drive out all the inhabitants of the land, he says, with an angel. They've already got his word for it. He's already said it. He spoke it. He said it's true. That's what I'm going to do for it. Now... Let's go over to the 34th chapter. The reason why I'm going over this, I want to show you how many times he said he'd do it. 34th chapter, verse 10, 11. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant. Before all thy people I will do marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou... That which I command thee this day, behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now that's probably enough. As far as he's given them direction of what he's going to do. Now go to the book of Numbers. <coughs> the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Now, Jehovah is being their light. He's telling them about their salvation. He's telling them about their promised land. 
He's telling them about their inheritance. He's telling them about everything He's going to do for them and wants to do for them. And beloved, He's talking about a place of dwelling where there is no sickness and where there is no disease. Where all the children will come forth and be brought forth. Where your bread and your water will be blessed and multiplied. Can you imagine when God is your water spring? And your flower? It'll never run dry. You'll always have food. You'll always have finances. You'll always have cattle. You'll always have children. You'll have always healing. Health. Divine health is what he was referring to. If you get to the land. But as you're going to see, they didn't get to the land. And the thing that kept them out of the land was fear. All those blessings they missed out on. And, and, and the body of Christ is missing out on all these blessings because of fear. Do you think that his deliverance from the Egyptian bondage, Israel's deliverance, was a greater work than our deliverance from Satan's bondage? It's not. But our deliverance gives us all things that they should have had and possessed, and then some, if we would just enter into it. It's already provided for us. If we just enter into it, we could walk in all the things that they should have walked in. Total health, divine health, prosperity, escaping the second death, being one with the Father, an heir of the Father, a joint heir with the Son. All these things is called this land flowing with milk and honey. It's already ours. It's right before our face right now. It's ours for an inheritance. Well, here's what they did. In verse 36, I'm sorry, verse 26... You remember they sent ten spies, a spy, twelve spies to spy out the land. And the twelve spies came back and each, there was two groups, one of ten, one of two, gave their report. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them. Brought back what? Brought back what? Okay, they brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came into the land with us in us, and surely, notice they agree to the fact that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, Moses didn't lie. He did not lie. What you heard from God was true. This is a land that flows with milk and honey. And they told, in the next verse, 28, Nevertheless, 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 every time you've got a doubt in your heart, you're going to hear people say, I know that I'm healed, but, nevertheless. But you know, you see, look what they said. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. What are they doing? They are talking the circumstances. They're speaking the truth. They're, they're magnifying what they see. There's giants in the land. There's great walls in the land. It's a land flowing milk and honey, but you know all these things are there in our way. Look at the next verse. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, said, and what? What did he say? Let us go up at once. Right now. Faith is always now. Faith is always in the right now. If you take time to think about your problem, you're going to get defeated. Faith does not hesitate. It's not in a hurry, but it doesn't hesitate. When doubt comes, you've got to act on your faith. When fear comes, you've got to act on God's Word. Caleb stilled the people right there and said, Shut up, let's go up at once right now. Look what, look what he said. There's two sources here. One's faith, one's fear. 
Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, may I ask you this? What did Caleb see that the other ten spies didn't see? Why is it that the men of faith, what we call living by faith, is always one out of many? Or two? Out of all the people in the entire congregation, these two are the only two that displayed what we call faith in God. Everybody else displayed faith in circumstances, faith in the things that surrounded them. Now, the word brought back by the ten produced fear. Fear came. But the, the men that went up with him said, said, words again. Here's what they said. We be not able. We be not able to take the land, see, to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now, didn't, didn't David say that the Lord is the strength of my life? Notice, these people did not know that Jehovah was their strength. Those people are stronger than we are. Yes, it's true. No one said it wasn't true that they were stronger physically. But you see, faith does not ignore the circumstances. Faith does not ignore or deny what is around us. This is where people get mixed up in faith. Faith does not deny the fact that there were giants in the land and there were circumstances that if they went by them were far greater than their own company that was there. But you see, faith just says what God says. Caleb was no special person. Caleb said, yes, they're in the land, but we'd be able to take the land. Let's go possess it at once. What made him say that? He knew that Jehovah was on his side. Amen. Now look at what they did. Look what they want to do to faith people. They're trying to do it today. And they brought up an evil report of the land, verse 32, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we were in their sight. So you see, your problem may look like a giant to you when you compare it to yourself. When you're comparing it to your own ability. When you're comparing it to your own person. It seems like it's a giant. And in most cases, this world would be a giant to any one of us. And the demons and all his cohort, the devil, all his cohorts and demons... To us individually, we're no match for them. But you see, Caleb knew who he was with Jehovah on his side. Now let's go on reading a few more things. Let's see what Joshua said, but I want to show you something about fear. In all the congregation, in verse, chapter 14, verse 1, lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Now comes the murmuring and the complaining. You know what they said? Well, Moses said that the Lord was going to bring us to a land flowing with milk and honey. And here it is. We finally get there. And look at all these giants in the land we can't enter in. Would to God we died in Egypt. Would to God we died in the wilderness. But they weren't listening to all of what the Lord said, were they? You see, the Lord said, not only will I bring you to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I'll drive out the inhabitants of the land. Didn't he say that? How many times did he say that? How many times did he say before, the, before them that the angel would go before them and drive out the inhabitants of the land? All right, listen. They provoked their angel. They did not speak God's word. They spoke against God's word. They said, we'd be not able to take the land. When they did that, their angel stood there bound. Could not drive out the inhabitants of the land, although the land was theirs and the promise was already made. Look how they begin to murmur and complain. When you murmur and complain, beloved, why isn't this working for me? Dear God, why is this working for me? Everybody else gets their prayer answers and doesn't get enough. That's why you're not getting your prayers answered. Because you're murmuring and complaining when you're standing right at the threshold of all your victory. See? Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? Well, look at what they said. 
Verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God, would to God that we died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? Now that's what they said. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Friends, you know what he said? He said, I brought you to that land, not so that your children would die by the sword and that you would be a prey. I brought you to that land so that you could live in that land and I would remove sickness and disease from the midst of you and you'd have many children and I'd bless your bread and water. That's why he said, I brought you to the land. You know, there are some Christians that finally get a little bit older and they're walking, you know what they say? Yeah, I got saved, but God never did anything for me. That's right. That's exactly what's happening right here. That's exactly what happens in the life of believers. But let's go on down to verse 9. <coughs> verse 9, we find Joshua. Let's look at verse 8 first. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord... Neither fear ye the people of the land. Now, the, rebelling, the rebellion was against the Lord. I want you to notice that a person that murmurs and complains against God's Word just because of circumstances is rebelling against the Lord. And every time you say, I'm not doing this and I can't do that and I can't do this and oh dear Lord, you're murmuring and rebelling against God. When the Lord said you can and you say you can't, what do you think you're doing? I can't do it. As long as you keep on saying you can't do it, you are rebelling against God. You are fearing man more than you're fearing God. They feared man more than they feared God. They talk like that against God, but they wouldn't talk against man. But Joshua and Caleb, look what Joshua said. Only rebel you not against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land or the inhabitants of the land. For they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. In the time of trouble, in the 59th Psalm, we read the Lord would be your defense. Right? Okay, let's picture this. Joshua tells all the congregation, friends, their defense is departed and Jehovah is our defense. Now that's the picture from our standpoint. We already read the book. We know what happened. But the picture before them is like every trial that you enter into. You don't see the end result yet. You're standing before the giant. It looks like this thing could never be worked out. And so what do you immediately do? You begin to hang your head down. You begin to complain. You begin to murmur. You wonder what's going on. Why is this happening to me? How am I going to get out of it? But you see, we're rebelling against God and His Word. He said, Joshua said, Caleb said, we're able to take the land. Joshua said, don't fear the people. Their defense has departed. God is on our side. Now I'm going to tie that in and show you exactly what he meant by their defense has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. So you can readily see that they were fearing man more than they were fearing God. They would rather speak against God and His Word than they would speak against man and believe God. Well, let's go on down to the 22nd verse. I don't want to go through all this. The Lord goes on to explain some things. He says, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice... Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall, they, shall any of them that provoke me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit. Notice Caleb had another spirit. Their spirit was filled with fear, because the fear that was without found its way into their heart. Now the psalmist said, I will not let my heart fear. My heart will not fear. I have confidence in this fact that I will not let my heart fear. Which is the next step, by the way. Number five is confidence. See, the psalmist said, Though this army would compass round about me, my heart will not fear, and this will be my confidence. I'll be confident in the fact that my heart will not fear because Jehovah is my light and salvation and strength. 
Therefore, my heart will not fear. Now, if you don't know Jehovah is your light, salvation, and strength, then your heart's probably going to fear. Like they didn't know that. So all the circumstances are against them. But Caleb had just happened to be the only one, him and Joshua, that knew that Jehovah was on their side. Now, because they knew Jehovah was on their side, you're going to find out that they, they're the only two that got into the promised land. But let's look at, go, let's go on a little bit further. Up to verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? I don't want the Lord looking down upon the church at Midland and saying, What an evil congregation. Do you? See, a report of fear and doubt is evil. It's evil in the sight of the Lord. It's an evil thing to fear man more than we fear God, to fear sickness and disease more than we fear God, to fear losing this or losing that more than we fear God. We should fear God in such a way that we wouldn't dare speak contrary to His Word. We should humble ourselves before the almighty hand of God and to get on our knees before Him and say, Father, if you said I'm healed, I'm healed. I don't care what I look like or sound like. If you said I'm healed, I am healed. I mean that. If you said that I'm prosperous, hallelujah, I'm prosperous. I believe it. I thank you for it. We've got to believe that. Because look what happened. Thank God for His mercy. Here's what happened to them. Verse 28, Say unto me, because they murmured, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Fulfillment of Mark eleven twenty three. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And as you go on, you know the whole story. They all died. The ten spies died of the plague before the Lord. Why did they die and didn't enter in? Because they said they could not take the land. I want to say that again. They did not enter into the promised land. They didn't enter into a place where they could walk free from sickness and disease, have their bread and water blessed, children blessed, the fruit of their womb, and their cattle, etc. All those blessings of the Lord, they did not enter into them because they said they could not. Most people say, I can't get my healing. I can't get my deliverance. I can't get free. I can't do this. I'm not able to do that. God will do it for somebody else, but He won't do it for me. And that is keeping you out of your blessings. A lot of people are saying, I just can't seem to get my bills paid. I can't seem to meet my finances. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I think we should make a covenant with ourselves. We're going to get can't out of our vocabulary. Because when God said we can, then we can't. Now, don't just go off and think, well, look, we're a spiritual people. Because if you were standing there before the giants, what would you have done? And your giants weren't literal. Your giant was just a little thing that came before you. But I want to show you the effects of fear. Go to the book of Joshua. I want to show you what fear did. Unless you knew the end result, you'd be tempted to fear. But because we have the end result, we are judged of God... As being responsible for more. Because we have the end result. We know what took place. We know what happened. We know what's on the other side of fear. If you'll read this clearly. He said right here in the second chapter of the book of Joshua. Start with verse 8. Now you remember they were delivered from the Egyptian bondage. Now you remember that they crossed the Red Sea. Now you remember that he delivered them. Fed them in the wilderness, led them by the cloud, fire, and uh, brought them to a place finally at the Canaan's land. They got to Canaan's land. They did not enter in because of their unbelief, because of their evil report and saying that they couldn't do it because fear gripped them and stopped them from entering into their possession. Moses finally died. Joshua came along and took over. And he was given the awesome task of leading the children of Israel into their promised land finally. Beloved, listen to that. That generation could not enter into that promised land. All them years, it even hindered Joshua and Caleb from entering in sooner because of all their doubt and unbelief. You know what's hindered the body of Christ upon the earth from entering into the fullness of God's blessings? The same thing. The same thing. 
right. When are we going to enter into the fullness of God's blessing? When we get the doubt and unbelief and fear out. That's right. Not just one or two, three or four. When we all start walking by faith. When we start walking in love. And purposing in our heart that we're going to live like Joshua and Caleb did. Now I want to show you something about fear that you need to know. When fear comes, we said it's the forerunner of cursing and calamity. But it's coming from without on the outside. Look at what happens when you act on fear. You already saw the results of it. But look what happens or what would have happened had they acted on faith. Look at verse 8. When Joshua went to spy out the land and sent his men down to spy out the land. Verse 8. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof and she said unto the men. Now, no, underline what she said. I know that the Lord hath given you the land. She knew it. This here woman, she's in the land. But she, she knew it. Now, mind you, this is years later. Years later. She said, I know the Lord hath given you the land. And that your terror is falling, up, falling upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he did unto the king, two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did, did there any man, or there remained any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. Now what she was saying, we heard all these years ago that the Lord brought you out of the Egyptian bondage. We heard that the Lord parted the Red Sea. And your God is God in heaven and God in the earth. And we knew it. And all the Canaanites and all the Amorites and all the Jebusites and all the children of Anak and all the giants that were in the land they all, their, their hearts fainted within them, their strength, their defense departed from them, for they knew that the Lord gave them the land, and all the Israelites had to do was just to show up. They conceded the land. The land was already conceded by the inhabitants of that land. And when Caleb said, all we've got to do is just enter the land, let's go, possess it. And when Joshua said, Fear not the people. Their defense is the power from them. Let's go. They were right. They were absolutely right. And all they had to do was listen to Joshua and Caleb pack up their belongings and just start walking in with their hands in their pockets. And you know what they would have done? They all would have said, it's all yours. We'll see you. We're not fighting against your God. He's God in heaven and God on the earth. Now, you ready? You were delivered from Satan's bondage. And the early church walked in great awesome power because Satan now knew that God is God in heaven and through men he is God in the earth. And those that walked by faith walked in the power of God. And Satan conceded the land. And he said, there's nothing I can do. All the miracles began to take place. Satan feared and trembled. All his demons and cohorts walked the other way when a man came knowing Jesus. You say, what happened? Since then, he found something out. If I could just instill a little bit of fear to these people, and as generation got on and went further and further and further, you know what happened? They got like this congregation right here. Just like them. Even though the land has been conceded by the devil, the devil found out that, his, that God's people were not diligent enough to pursue their inheritance. And they slowly began to turn away from faith in God. And they got fearful of the circumstances around them. And before you know it, fear caused them to lose all the power that was vested in the name of Jesus. They went through the dark ages. They had no way to get back into the fullness of their inheritance. Why? Why? Just because 
of fear. Just because the devil put a little scare into his people, God's people. You know what that's saying to you right now? Everything that he promised them Israelites has already been provided for you in Christ. It's all there. But he says, you better be careful lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief that will stop you from entering into your blessings. Let's look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter, just to tie that together. Satan has already conceded the land. It's already yours. Divine health is yours. Total prosperity is yours. Everything that's been provided for you, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus is yours. The land that flows with milk and honey is yours. If this is a type of our deliverance, then this is a type of their failure to enter into their inheritance. And the same way that they failed to enter into their inheritance is the same way that the body of Christ has failed to enter into their inheritance because there was found in them an evil heart of unbelief. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. The third chapter, he tells you how they provoked me in the wilderness. How they provoked me time after time again after they saw my miracles. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, not the devil, but fear, fear that we don't enter in. Lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Notice he said, any of you. If he was writing it today, he'd say all of you, or most of you, would seem to come short of entering into the fullness. Saints, let me say this. If their defense is gone, if the devil has conceded the land, if Jesus took our sickness and disease, if Jesus took our pains and became poor that we become rich and became death that we become life, and the devil knows it, and you know it, and I know it, and the angels know it. What is making it so hard for the body of Christ to enter in? It's a good question. It's got to be fear. You're afraid to pray for your child because if you pray for your child and that child's not healed within the first second, then it's to the doctor. And I'm not knocking this. Hear me. You're afraid because of your business. Because if there's one sign of you being in a hole, you start to murmur and complain and cry. Right? See, that's what people do. The first sign of trouble, the first thing we get our... our, our, our Minds focused on is defeat and failure and wonder why God's not helping us. We're acting upon the word of the enemy. Fear is all around us. Doubt is all around us. Unbelief is in the very air that we breathe. But yet the land's already been conceded. The promised land is there. We be well able to take it. Let's go up at once and enter into the land. Let's just go in and take it. What's there that's stopping the body of Christ of entering into the fullness of their inheritance? Blessed be God, I believe we could do it. You believe we could do it? I believe we could do it. I believe we could get to, to a place where fear has no power in the life of the believer any longer. We could walk in the face of all calamity, all trouble, all darkness, and stand as a conqueror. We could say along with the psalmist that I don't care if there's an army around me. I don't care if the earth is removed from beneath me. I don't care if they're all swords are coming at me. It doesn't matter to me because Jehovah is my God. And my strength and salvation and light. In Him will I trust. And surely, beloved, there was no doubts in surely. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler. The three Hebrew children said, surely, they said, yes, he will do it. Our God's able and he will deliver us from the fire furnace. Caleb said, we're able to go take the mountain or the land. Then finally his mountain. Joshua says, fear not the people. Let's just go up at once. God is with us. Their defense is gone. The enemy's defense is gone. It's gone. We're able to take the land. Let's go up at once. But the problem was here. Let's read, 
Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with what? See, they mixed it with fear. They let fear, they were taught fear. They were taught to fear people. They were taught to fear man. They were taught to fear the giants. They were taught to fear the kings. They were taught to fear all the circumstances that are around them. They were taught that if you got more on their side than on your side, then you're defeated. But they were not taught to have faith in God. They did not know there was an angel standing right beside them, even though they told them, even though the Lord told them. They disregarded. They would not hearken unto what he said. You know, the Lord told you that there's an angel standing right by you right now to deliver them that fear him. Not fear the enemy, but fear him. Did you know he gave his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, to bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone? To redeem your life from destruction? Did you know he's right there right now? You know Jehovah is your strength? You know the creator of the universe is with you, in you, and for you right now, and he's the strength of your life? He'll give you direction and guidance in the time of trouble? Let's look at the 102nd Psalm. <coughs> Verse 2. I'll give you these scriptures to meditate on because we're going to have to close. We won't be able to go through them, but I want you to see them. And these are meditation, meditation scriptures. The reason why we're giving you all these scriptures, the pointing out all these things in this series is so you can go over it and over it and over it and over it. <clears throat> again and again. Let's start with verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in, in the day when I call, when I call answer me speedily, speedily. Go back to the book of Job. And the fifth chapter. Begin reading with verse 19. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. These are meditation scriptures. He shall deliver you in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem you from death. People are right now trying to store up for the rapture, for the tribulation. They don't read their Bibles, do they? If the Lord has got to make a loaf of bread come out of the ground, He will in my house. If we were here, but I'm not going to be here. But in a day of famine, He said, He's not going to let me starve to death. He's going to feed me. Have you ever seen the righteous forsaken or begging bread? No. And you never will. So you might as well just tear down your vaults. Look at the next verse. And in war from the power of the sword... This is the strength he's talking about. In war, he'll deliver you from the power of that sword. That's a pretty good defense. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. That's great defense. Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine, you will laugh. At destruction and famine, you will what? You'll what? You know the Lord laughs in His holy hill because of the people do things down here that they think you're going to destroy His anointed. He laughed and said, you're going to find out that I'm going to say to Him, Thou art my Son, and this day I've begotten thee. Second Psalm. It's in there. But He said, you're going to get to a place that when destruction comes your way, when famine comes your way, you're going to sit back and laugh. You talk about the joy of the Lord being your strength. You're going to laugh at it. To think that someone would dare try to destroy a child of God when Jehovah is your strength. Can you see that if Jehovah is your strength, you're going to have to laugh at your adversary? How could he defeat you? If God before us, who could be against us? Let's go on. Neither, sh this is great, shalt thou be afraid of the beasts of the earth. David reminds me of David slaying the lion and the bear. 
For thou shalt be in league with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. And thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace, and thou shalt visit thy habitation, and shalt not sin or err. So meditate on some of these scriptures. But what he's trying to show to us is this. And what really the psalmist was saying back there in the 27th Psalm was that in the time of fear, I'll put, which is our next step, total confidence in the fact that my heart will not be fearful when calamity comes, a time of trouble, and fear. All these things are coming my way and fear is coming your way. I will not allow my heart to be fearful because my heart knows that Jehovah is my light, my salvation, and my strength. He's on my side. He's my refuge, my fortress. I trust Him. And the enemy, I'll laugh in His face. I'll laugh right at Him. And the Lord will deliver me. And He knew it to the extent that the earth be removed. But He knew it. He knew that Jehovah is the strength of His life. I will not fear what man shall do to me. The book of Hebrews tells us he'll never leave us nor forsake us that we may boldly say what? I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.